cloud. Let's do this again now. Okay, perfect. Okay, so um, I had a call earlier this uh, this week. It was earlier this week. But it was the end of last week. Um, about a uh, a situation of somebody who had like the, the title there says. I don't know if it was actually dog food, but somebody had purchased something that turned out to be basar b'chalav. So obviously they're not going to go ahead and uh, they're not going to eat it, but they wanted to know, can they go back to the store and return it and get their money back? So I said, wow, that's a great question for Thursday night. So here we are. <laughs> so I appreciate the, uh, the input from, uh, from one of my chaver over, over there as far as uh, that is concerned. And I thought, that this would be a good time to go ahead and explore um, these types of issues, the issues related to, uh, to, to this. Also, let's us know for those uh, dog owners who may be, uh, uh, may be on now or maybe listening later about the necessity to, uh, to be mindful of, uh, of this type of uh, this halacha. Okay, so let's begin. Before we get to the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the question itself, about whether you're allowed to uh, return the basa b'chalav dog food. So as we always try and do here, let's try and go through uh, systematically through the issues and make sure that we have a full understanding of what's involved so that when we get to the actual shayla, uh, we will be well-informed and not just making up things, but uh, it's going to be based on uh, solid knowledge. So we begin with uh, source number one over here is the Gemara and Chulin. So the Moran Chulin says, very famously, Dvei Rabbi Shmuel Tana. So in the collection of Brisas of Rabbi Shmuel, so we find the following thing which is written. So the Torah tells us, the Torah prohibits cooking a goat in its mother's milk three times. So uh, that's an unusual thing for the Torah to do, to go ahead and repeat the same prohibition on three different occasions. So why does the Torah go ahead and uh, repeat the, uh, the prohibition three different times? So explains the Gemara. So what's interesting is, and the Gemara uh, spent some time talking about this, but the, Gemara, the, the Pasuk doesn't actually say you're not allowed to eat milk and meat together. The, the verb of the Pasuk is you're not allowed to cook meat and milk together, goat and its mother's milk together. It doesn't say anywhere that you're not allowed to eat it. But this prohibition against cooking it together is repeated three times. So says Chazal, says his Brisa, Echad le'isra So one is coming to emphasize the fact that you're not allowed to eat it, even though that's not explicit. The second one is going to tell me that you're not even allowed to benefit from it, even if you're not going to consume it. But to benefit from it in some other way is also a biblical prohibition. It's something which is asumidaraisa. And the third prohibition is, with the one which is explicit, the third one is going to be the prohibition of bishel, the prohibition of cooking. So you have over here three different isurim, three different prohibitions which relate to the, uh, the issue of basu b'chalav. You're not allowed to eat it, you're not allowed to cook it, and you are not allowed to, uh, not allowed to benefit uh, from it. I think it was Rabbi Reisman, in one of his shurim, was talking about how... Um, uh, in Eretz Yisrael, so the, uh, the government was very disturbed by the fact that when they made protests, that when various groups made protests, so they would go ahead and they would ignite the garbage cans. Uh, those who have been around in Yushalayim, 
So they have these huge neighborhood uh, garbage cans, steel uh, you know, or iron garbage cans, where people go ahead and they drop off their uh, their garbage in there on the uh, on the corner or something. And during protests, people will go ahead and light them on fire. And obviously, it's something which is dangerous to go ahead and have all of that uh, garbage burning in that fire. And no matter what they did, they couldn't convince the people that uh, that they should stop. They kept trying to tell them it's dangerous, it's dangerous, and dang- it's dangerous. And the people did not refrain from uh, from uh, turning on the uh, uh, lighting the uh, a fire in the garbage cans. So somebody had a chap. What was the chap? The chap was they put up signs telling everybody that since the garbage contains both milchiks and fleshigs, if you go ahead and you turn the fire on, you light a fire in the garbage can, you're cooking basar b'chalav. And cooking basar b'chalav is an isra daraisa, and certainly nobody wants to be over an isra daraisa. And in that way, they were able to quickly, uh, you know, and figuratively put out the fire. They were able to get them to stop doing so because uh, for some reason, uh, the uh, presenting it as a potential danger was not something which swayed them, but telling them that it's an isidaraisa of, bi- of Bishel, of cooking, so that was something which resonated with them and that got them for the most part to, uh, to stop. Okay, but those are the Yisur eating, cooking, and Hanar. Now, An important detail of this halach, Basabachalov, you see over here in source number two, it's in your day, Simon Pei Zion, Simon Gimel. So Shochanach says, Eino noeg ela bebasa behema tahora, bechalav behema tahora. The Isidaraisa Basabachalov requires the prerequisite to violate this Isidaraisa is the meat has to come from a kosher animal, and the milk has to also come from a kosher animal. So if you go ahead, if somebody were to melt cheese onto a piece of bacon, so that does not violate the Isidaraisa of Basu B'chalav. It is meat and milk, but it's not the Isidaraisa of Basu B'chalav, as Shulchan Aruch says. Aval, if you go ahead and you have Basu Torah B'chalav Tameya, you have kosher meat and non-kosher milk, milk which comes from a camel or something like that. Oh, Basu Tameya, B'chalav Torah, or the example we gave, you have meat from a non-kosher animal, you have ham and cheese, and you go ahead and you melt ham and cheese. So that's kosher uh, milk, which is coming from, uh, but uh, meat coming from a non-kosher animal. Mutarim bebishel ubehanar. So those are, uh, those mixtures, you're not allowed to eat them because anyways, it's non-kosher, whether milk or non-kosher meat. But if you want to go ahead and cook a ham and cheese sandwich, that is permitted. And if you want to go ahead and uh, get hana from a ham and cheese sandwich, selling it may be a different dessert. But if you want to get hana in some other way from a ham and cheese sandwich, even if the cheese is melted onto the ham, so that is going to be permitted. Okay? So now, if we're, ta- if, uh, if, if we're saying now that in order to violate the Yisr, this is where you have to take out your thumb in order to understand the next question. If you're telling me now that in order to violate the Yisr, it has to be kosher meat and kosher milk. So what happens if you have meat taken from a kosher animal which wasn't properly shechted. So for our purposes, as far as eating is concerned, that's a piece of non-kosher meat. But it does come from a kosher animal. So do, the, do all three isurim, iser achila, iser hana, and iser bishol, do all three isurim apply when you go ahead and you're going to uh, cook together uh, meat from a kosher animal that wasn't properly shechted together with milk? And that would be the case of 
your double bacon cheeseburger, that's going to be the case of the dog food. If you're in the event that you have dog food, which has a meat and milk mixture, uh, the likelihood that that meat was properly shechted is somewhere between zero and less than zero. And therefore, uh, maybe there's not going to be a problem of getting Hana from the basa of dog food because it doesn't meet the criteria because ultimately the meat is not kosher because it's nevela meat. So that's the shayla. That's the shayla that's addressed in source number three over here. Does the isidah raisa of basa apply to nevela meat or does it not? Okay. So Pischei Tshuva right here, right on the page of Shulchan Arach. So he addresses this point. What we have over here is source three. So it says, Sifkat and Vav in the Pischei Tshuva there. It says, I'm bedagal mervava shakasav. Vizelashonu. So he's quoting the Dagal Mervava. The Dagal Mervava, you may more likely know him by name as the Noda Behuda. So the Noda Behuda has the following question. He says, Basar Nevela v'chein chelev. So he says, just as a, 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 a halacha, as a given, he says, nevela meat or chalev, the prohibited fats from a nevela animal, animal which is not properly shechted, to go ahead and to cook that in milk uh, uh, is Torah. That is clearly Torah. But, and you'll get malchus for cooking that together. So in the event that you go ahead and you melt cheese onto the McDonald's hamburger, so you go ahead and you cook that together, so you violated the Isidar Isa of cooking Basabachalov. But um, as far as eating it is concerned, so it's usher to eat because it's a McDonald's hamburger, but it doesn't violate the Isidar of cooking, but of eating Basabachalov. Because this is not kosher meat, which you as a Jew could have eaten anyways. The kolze, in this so far, this isn't controversial at all. He says, kolze, muvur berambam. All of this is explicit in the Rambam if you want to look it up. But now, amnam, v'amnam, imu sham. But the question is, am I allowed to get benefit from that McDonald's hamburger and the Chav Yisrael cheese? So if I go ahead and I cook them together, McDonald's hamburger patty and chal Yisrael cheese, so am I allowed to get benefit from that mixture or not? So that, in the halachas, the Rambam is not clear. Aval, But the, uh, the note of Yehuda says, the Dogma of Ava says, that if you look in the Rambam's commentary to the Mishnayis in Krisus, so you will see that he writes over there that it's not Asr that you would be allowed to go ahead and benefit from that. So that means that if you want to go ahead, if somebody wants to go ahead and manufacture dog food from a McDonald's hamburger patty and chalav Yisrael milk, so that is mutter bahana, it is permitted for benefit, and you can feed that to your dog. Okay? And therefore he says, the Nodabihuda says, being that the Rambam uh, uh, makes mention of that, so if somebody relies on that opinion, that position, when otherwise he would face some sort of financial loss, low he's not going to lose. He has what to rely upon to go ahead and assume that the, and conduct himself that that is permitted. However, that's the end of the Dagum of Abba, that's the end of the Nota Buddha. So he says that technically it is permitted. But then the Pisachet says, if you look at the Primagadim's uh, uh, introduction, 
He disagrees with the Nodabihuda and he says they at Nevela meat, a uh, McDonald's hamburger patty, and Chalv Yisrael cheese cooked together is Asabahana, is prohibited for benefit, and therefore you cannot go ahead and give it to your dog. He wouldn't be able to use it as dog food. So now we have machlokas achronim going on over here. Whether your non, whether the uh, the basabachal of dog food is going to be, <coughs> is it asabahana and you cannot feed it to your dog, or is it mutter bahana? It's permitted for benefit, and you would be able to serve it to uh, to your dog. And then he goes on. He says, "I am b'tshuvas chasam sofer." If you look in the chuvas of the Chassam Sofer, so this is now a third authority who's weighing in on this question. Shenishal Gamkin Alinyan He was also asked about this question. So the Chassam uh, Sofer goes ahead and quotes the Sefer, which is on the Halachas of Basav Chalav, and uh, the following question, also a fascinating question. He says, so what happened was that normally they would go ahead and they would make candles out of animal fat. That was the uh, most commonly used ingredient uh, for the manufacturing of candles. But what happened was there was this period of time when the, the candle manufacturers were mixing butter. That's what chema is. They were mixing butter into the chalev, into the animal fat. Lasos mehem neiros, in order to manufacture candles. Why were they doing that? Kihaya hachelev biyoker. Because the fat was really expensive. So they were looking for a cheap filler. So what was a cheap filler? A cheap filler was to go ahead and throw in some, uh, throw in some butter. So whatever their percentage was, however, whatever their concoction was, but now you had a mixture of chelev, you had uh, animal fat, together with some butter, which is obviously milchiks. And if you have a candle, which is comprised of those two ingredients, and you light the candle, you are essentially not only cooking basabachalav, but now you're getting benefit from, you would, it would involve getting benefit from basabachalav. So is that allowed or not? Upashile, and this sefer, the meal tzedaka, in his sefer, kanfayona, upashile la'oso bahana. The kanfayona is of the opinion that it is prohibited for benefit. So now we have a two-on-one. We have the Me'il Tzedakah and the Prima Gadim saying that a, a, a McDonald's hamburger patty and Chavi Yisrael milk is Aser Bahana. And you have the one opinion of the Dogam Vava, the Nodabudu says that it's okay. Hey, so can now, I ask a question here? Yeah. Um, and and w- with regard to the candle... Uh, yep. It seems to me that burning the candle is not just a question of Hana. With the candle, you're doing Bishul. And and everybody agrees that Bishul is Asur, uh, uh, even if it's in a Vela. Right, correct. So, so, so I, I don't see where Hana comes into the question at all here. Right, so let's say you had such a candle and uh, a, a non-Jewish uh, domestic help went ahead and lit the candle. So the bishul was already done by the non-Jew. And now the question is, can you go ahead and can you learn by the light of that basubachal of candle which is burning? Some scenario like, uh, like that. Okay. Yeah? Okay. Okay. So now, 
the Herich Bazet. So the Chassam Sofer analyzes the various sources. He writes at length as Chassam Sofer would do. Umasik. In the Masik is now, this is what his conclusion is. His Maskan is, this is where you see some of these pra- the practical rabbinics. So what do you do when you have a machloka such as this? So this is a Masik. If somebody wants to come along, if a Rav wants to come along, in Paskin, like the note of Yehuda, saying that it's permitted for benefit, you cannot, Maschichin um, will say, you cannot uh, um, rebuke him. You cannot say that he's wrong. You cannot say that he's paskining shaloh aliba de hilchasa. You can't say that that's an incorrect upsak. If he wants to, if he wants to align himself with the note of Yehuda, uh, you know, as people say in different contexts, but it's applicable over here that if I have to go to Gehenim together with the note of Yehuda, so I'll be more than happy to uh, to go ahead and do so. So somebody who chooses that route, so okay, so they have the right to, to go ahead and align themselves that way. But says the chasam sofer. But if somebody's going to call me and ask me, can I go ahead and serve my dog uh, uh, dog food, which is made from a McDonald's hamburger patty and chavisrael milk? I would tell them that it's aser, that it's aser for benefit. Which is like the opinion of the kanfeyona and the prima garden. And this is also the implication, says Chassam Sofer, of many of the Gedolei Achronim. And therefore, if you're asking me, I think that you should take a more cautious route, a more conservative route, and you should not be getting benefit from the McDonald's uh, hamburger patty and the Chav Yisrael cheese. But if somebody does adopt a lenient stance, no, no. So they could go ahead and uh, it's within their, their halachic right to go ahead and do so. Okay. Okay, give out. Now, let's see, uh, uh, shift a little bit from Basavachala for the moment. And let's see, so we know some, uh, very often what, ha- what happens in halacha is the questions which we are trying to address are not uh, um, addressed explicitly in the context in which you would want it to be addressed, but it's addressed conceptually in different contexts. So what we're discussing over here is Basar B'chalav, which is Asar B'chalav, which is prohibited for benefit. Now it happens to be that there are many items which exist, which are also Asar B'chalav, which are prohibited for, for benefit. And will we be able to go ahead and start uh, extrapolating principles from other circumstances of th- other cases of things which are Asar B'chalav and apply them to our current circumstance of the uh, the uh, of dog food, and whether you could, you could return it. Okay, so now, can I go ahead and, let's say, can I feed, what's the halacha about feeding a dog um, uh, something which is asubahana? So, Shulchan Aruch says, and this is now, this is an orachayim, so we're, we're jumping around over here. This is orachayim, this is Hilchos Pesach. So Pesach is one of those instances. Chametz on Pesach is something which is asubana. So we have a lot which is written about prohibitions, which are, are foods, which are asubana, and what exactly the parameters are. So here in this simon, it's very uh, uh, um, um, uh, uh, talked about simon because this is the simon that also contains the information about selling chametz to a non-Jew before uh, before Pesach. But at the very end of that simon, it says as follows. So if one has chametz 
on Pesach. So you are not allowed to go ahead and feed that uh, to uh, somebody else's animal or even a hefker animal. So let's say you went ahead and you got, like we used to, you got that box of uh, Cheerios in the mail on uh, the second day of Pesach, and you made the fatal error of acquiring it. You made a Kenyan on those, uh, those Cheerios. So now you have to go ahead and you have to get rid of them. So you say, okay, it's not such a big deal. I don't really like Cheerios anyways, so I don't mind getting rid of them. But it will be a, 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 um, it will be a, a waste of resources to go ahead and just throw them in the garbage. You know what I'll do? There are, uh, there are squirrels that are out and about, and I'm sure the squirrels will be more than happy to eat a box of Cheerios. So I'll just open the box. I'll open the, uh, the packaging, and I'll let the squirrels go ahead and uh, enjoy themselves. I'm destroying it anyways. It, none of the Cheerios will be left by the day's end. And in the meantime, the squirrels will have something to eat. Maybe that'll keep them away from my, my other garbage, and they'll go ahead and they'll eat the, uh, the Cheerios. So Shochan says, it's absolutely awesome. You're not allowed to feed chametz on Pesach, something which is on Pesach. And it doesn't even matter. It's not even feeding your own animal that you get a benefit from because now your animal has eaten a meal. But even feeding a neighbor's animal or even a hefker animal is also going to violate the, uh, the Isser of benefiting from the prohibited substance, from the Isser Hanah. Why is it going to be usher? Well, what, what benefit do I have from the fact that I, 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 uh, I uh, served or I fed a hefker animal? So the Mishabur explains over there in source five, the Yeshlo Hana, the Hana that you have is, is that you wanted to go ahead and feed some animal. You wanted the animal to be well-fed, and now it will turn out that those uh, the, uh, the squirrels are now well-fed as a result of the Cheerios which you put out there. So it's not a physical Hana, as if you're stronger or you ate something and you're getting benefit in that way, but it's a warm fuzzy. And even a warm fuzzy feeling that the squirrels are now well-fed is already enough to violate the, uh, the Isser, and therefore... It's going to be, uh, it's, go, it, it, uh, it, it's not allowed. And then the Mishaburah takes it even a step further. This is amazing. He says, Yosef, if you look at the Beis Yosef, he says, It's not even, let's say you were smart about it and you did not acquire the box of cheers. You didn't make any Kenyan on it whatsoever. When you saw that it was in your mail, you made an announcement to everybody on the block. I am hereby disassociating myself from this box of Cheerios. I am not going to be coned. I'm not going to be the owner. It is not mine. No, no, nothing. No relationship with it whatsoever. It remains Hefker Ka'afradar. And then you go ahead and you take that Hefker box of Cheerios and you rip it open to feed the squirrels. Beis Yosef says, even that's awesome. So here, so we have an example of a, 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 a food which is prohibited from benefit. And when you have a food which is prohibited for benefit, so you're not allowed to go ahead and feed it to a dog, even if it's not your own, uh, even if it's not your own dog. And seemingly, this is going to instruct us as far as the basubachalov is concerned. Seemingly, we should be able to extrapolate from here and say that the same thing is going to be true by the prohibition of benefit from meat and milk. That it may not, under any circumstances, be fed to your dog, to somebody else's dog, to uh, to a hefker dog. You're not allowed to feed it to uh, to any creature whatsoever. Yeah, Zachi. Then there, chametz have a, like a stricter 
stricter uh, policy because you know it's not can't be bottle. Excellent. So now this leads us to source number six. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this leads us to source number six, which is the Sharatzion. Sharatzion, as you know, is the uh, like the footnotes on the Mishabur itself. So Mishabur is the running commentary uh, written by the Chavetz Chaim on Shulchan Aruch. And the Sharetzion is where he identifies his sources and sometimes analyzes things a little bit more, uh, more quickly. So he goes ahead and, putting aside the names, he says, So it sounds like the prohibition against feeding the Chavetz to a dog is a Doraisa, it's a deraisa, meaning that it's something which is a function of being asr bahana, something which is asr bahana. You cannot feed to a dog, even a hefker dog, which is what you mentioned, Sachi. It has nothing at all to do with special stringencies which we apply to chametz. It has to do with the fact that you have something which is asr bahana, and this is a violation. Feeding it to your dog or somebody else's dog is a violation of getting benefit from that prohibited substance. And therefore, it would apply to any isr hana whatsoever. And therefore, he says, according to this analysis, and that would mean that even by other isure hana, you would not be able to go ahead, you would not be able to take this uh, McDonald's hamburger patty and chavi sorrel cheese and feed it to your neighbor's dog, because that's going to be the same issue. That's considered to be a violation of this prohibition of hana. You're getting hana from it. Then he says, however, it's not so clear. He says, the Primagodim isn't certain about this. Uh, okay, now just go, let's go to the end. He says, So if you look in the Gra, So the Gra is of the opinion that this halacha, that you cannot feed chametz to a hefker dog, um, even if it's not your own chametz, is a halacha which is unique to chametz on Pesach, and it doesn't carry over to other items which are asr bahana, other items which are prohibited for benefit. What exactly is the, uh, what's this idea? Why, why would we say that uh, it would be limited to chametz on Pesach? So if you look in the, uh, just because it was easier to find for me than uh, looking up the Yushami, so the Makor Chaim, which is the Nesivas, we would know him better as the Nesivas on, uh, on Choshem Mishpat, well, Chavaz Das and Yordea. So, in uh, certain sections of uh, of Archaim, like Yochos Pesach, so he wrote what's called the Makor Chaim. So he quotes the Yushami that the Gra is based on, and it says, "Lo yachel chametz." Says you're not allowed to eat chametz. In the unique uh, formula uh, um, conjugation of the word "lo yachel," tells me afil leklavim. You're not even allowed to feed chametz on Pesach to a dog. Says the Gemara. What are we talking about? If we're talking about feeding chametz to your own dog, so obviously that's hana, and we know you're not allowed to get benefit for, uh, from, uh, from chametz, so why would I need a special pasuk? Rather, it's even going to be to somebody else's dog. You're not allowed to feed chametz and pesach. Well, you don't get any benefit because your property doesn't improve at all. Your dog isn't healthier. Your animal isn't any fatter as a result of having, having eaten this food because it's a hefker dog or it belongs to somebody else. And still, it's going to be asa. He says, So based on this, the same thing is going to be true. You can't even feed it to a non-Jew. 
because that would be the same thing that your desire to feed somebody this food has been fulfilled. You get that same warm, fuzzy feeling. But he says, But this restriction, this broader restriction of Hanah, which applies, which we're now saying applies by Hametz, that you can't even feed a Hefker dog Hametz on Pesach, that's limited to only Hametz on Pesach. Why? Why would I extend it to all examples, all, uh, all uh, uh, foods which are Asr Bahana, which are prohibited for benefit? So he says, It's because, of the, as we mentioned, the unique conjugation of Lo Yachel, which will translate as, it may not be eaten. Not you may not eat, Lo Yochal, but it may not be eaten. So since specifically by Chametz, you have such a formulation that we have this broader verb which includes not only eating, but just having it be eaten. So that's why this, this broader definition of the Isr Hana is unique to Chametz on Pesach. Aval b'shar Isr Hana, dinafi milo yocha muter. But, says Yushamir, says the, uh, the, the Nesivis, they had other Isurim, where the, the, the verb of the Torah is going to be lo yochal, simply do not eat. So when the Torah simply says, do not eat, we're not going to have this broader definition of Hana, and it's only if you get direct benefit from it, is it going to be problematic? This warm, fuzzy feeling of having fed some Hefker animal, so that is not going to apply to other foods. So that would mean that seemingly this would, this would lead us to the conclusion, or that we have machlokas about this, that whether or not I'm allowed to feed not my own dog, the whole discussion over here is somebody else's dog, or a Hefker dog, but can I go ahead and feed Basu B'chalov to a Hefker dog, uh, whether that violates Isra Hana or not, is a Machlokas Achroni. So this, we're not really going to paskin on this, Shiloh, as you'll see, for, for different reasons, but this is something, this is, is illustrative of how far-reaching the prohibition of Hana could potentially be. Okay, now, let's get back to our purchase over here. So you're unpacking your groceries in the kitchen and uh, they didn't have your regular dog food that you get for your dog. So you had no, you're, you're on vacation with your dog somewhere. And it turns out that you do, uh, you know, one of the things you forgot to pack on your trip was your dog's favorite dog food. So now you have to run to the store and you have to get whatever brands are available there. And it turns out that you bought a brand which is Bas Bachalov. Okay, it was a mistake. Obviously, it's your mistake. Uh, your spouse is going to be all over you on this one that you made that error. But it was your mistake, and now you got to take responsibility for it. So now, what is what should be done with this basavachav? Seemingly, what should be done when you find yourself uh, having violated some isra, or you find yourself in possession of basavachav? So here, we have a Mishnah in Tamura. Mishnah in Tamura says, hanikbarim. So the following are items which if you have in your possession, so the proper disposal of them, the proper way to destroy them is burial. Right? So you're not going to burn them, specifically not to burn them. You're specifically going to go ahead and bury them. So what are some examples of that? Kachim shehipilu. Uh, if you have an animal which had been designated as a korban, that's kachim, shehipilu. And the, uh, the cow went ahead and miscarried a fetus. And now this miscarried fetus comes out of the uh, comes out of the cow. So what do you do with that fetus? So it has a bit of sanctity to it because it was part of the mother who was already designated as a korban. So in such a case, you would bury that uh, that fetus. Or 
he pila shilya to cover, or in the event that the afterbirth or the placenta comes out of the mother, you would also go ahead and bury that. Shorha niskal, in the event that you have a bull which uh, killed a person, and now the bull is going to have to be killed. So after you go ahead and kill that bull, you're going to uh, bury that. Egla Rufa, the, uh, the calf, which is decapitated when a dead body is found between two cities. Tzipari Mitzora, the, the birds which are used as part of the Tahara process for a Mitzora. Sayar Nazir, when the Nazir cuts off all of his hair. Petach Amor, the firstborn from a, uh, from a donkey. Okay, all of that are some interesting cases, not for us. Ubasa B'chalaf. And Basa B'chalaf, that's the one that uh, is going to be our focus. So really what you're supposed to do with Basa B'chalaf is you're supposed to bury it. So it turns out you went to the store on vacation, you picked up a bag of dog food, and now when you get home, somebody looks at it and says, hey, I didn't know we could go ahead and we could have this uh, uh, McDonald's hamburger patty, Chalav Yisrael dog food. I never knew, even knew such a thing existed, but they got Heimish dog food uh, brands. So you've got this, uh, this dog food over here, but since it's, uh, since it's Basu uh, B'chalav, uh, seemingly you're going to, actually, I shouldn't even say it in, in those cases. Let's say it's actual glot kosher meat and Chav Yisrael uh, cheese. So you got the real Heimish uh, brand. It's got 16 Hechsheim along the bottom uh, for the glot kosher meat and the Chav Yisrael cheese. And it's mixed together in, it's cooked together in, in a dog food. And now you bought it. So the Mishnah says that really what you should be doing is you should be burying it. You should destroy it through burial. And that will be the, the end of it. Okay. Now, what happens is, now the rush says, we're going to try and uh, um, make our way through this quickly. Um, okay, let's go to source 10 over here. So source 10, we're going to go to a, a different uh, uh, instance where we talk about something which is prohibited for benefit, and that is Yayin Nesach. So wine which was used by a non-Jew as a libation, as a, uh, in the service of, a, of an idol. So that wine is also it's prohibited for benefit. Shulchan Aruch says, this is in Yerodeh, Kuflam, Beis, Sif, Aleph, Acher, let's say a Jew took this wine, which is sold it to a non-Jew. So, So in the event that the non-Jew paid for the wine, he gave you the money already, he gave you the, uh, the $20 for the, uh, the uh, Nesach wine. And then after you receive the $20, then you deliver to him that bottle of prohibited wine. So the halach is, says Shulchan So not only was the wine the money that you receive for the sale of that wine, that money is also also. So if that money is also also, this is going to be a problem. This now swings back around to our case over here. And that is, I mistakenly went ahead and I bought uh, I bought something which is prohibited. Glad kosher meat, glad kosher or chav Yisrael cheese cooked together and now they are in the, in the dog food. So if I were to go with seemingly this uh, this Sif and Shulchan source 10 is telling us, that if I were to go back to the store, give them the, uh, the, the dog food and get back my money, so that money not only was the dog food that I had in my possession, the money that I receive in exchange for that is also going to be because that's money which I'm receiving for the Basabachalaf. And if we had a little bit more time, which we don't, so this source 11, this Gemara in Avodah Zarah, 
is an important uh, source as far as this is concerned. In that, it also talks about what happened. It doesn't talk about where you bought uh, mistakenly um, dog food, which is asabana, but the Gemara there talks about you bought a bunch of what you thought was scrap metal from a, an idolater. And then when you're going through the scrap metal, it turns out you find an idol in there. And obviously you don't want, you didn't plan on buying the idol. That was not part of the, uh, the deal, but he did go ahead and you bought, uh, you bought what turned out to be an idol. So the Gemara there discusses whether or not you could go back to the idolater and exchange that back for your money or not. And there's some tactical things having to do with, uh, with, uh, with, with Kenyonim, um, but not enough time for us to address it fully, but it's a similar type of question. So here, the, here at the, uh, the last source over here. So here we have from a, uh, a work which is called, in English it's called, Commerce and Isuri Hanah. The Hebrew is Hilchos Isuri Hanah B'Misra U'Ba'asakim, which is just a translation of that. So he has this question about what are you going to do in the event that you bought something which turns out to be asabahana. So let's use the example of the dog food. So you have dog food, which every, let's assume, just for argument's sake, everybody agrees that it is asabahana, glach kasher meat, chalav Yisrael cheese, cooked together and made into dog food. And now you mistakenly purchased it, so are you going to be allowed to return it to the store? So he says as follows. Look in the Magad Mishnah, uh, okay, you don't have to look there. And then he says, So if you look in the Sma over there in Choshemishpa, so there he talks about what he's addressing over here is, can you get away and say that it was a Mekach Tos? Right, you certainly never planned to buy Basu Bachalav, you did it by accident. So being that you never really planned to buy something which is Asa can you come along to the merchant and say, I'm so sorry, I bought this by accident. It was a mistaken transaction. Had I realized that there was Basu Bachalav, I never would have bought it in the first place. And I want to cancel the transaction because um, this is uh, the, I, I never intended to make this transaction. So he's quoting sources like the Smao here who says, that it will be difficult to go ahead and uh, argue halachically that this is a mekachtos, because the Sma says, we'll just look at the, the money quote quickly, he says, anytime the customer could have looked at the item and discerned whether it's defective or not immediately, and the customer didn't bother to do so, and the merchant just went ahead and sold it without any commitments. So the customer cannot come back later and say, I didn't realize that you sold me a defective item. What this would translate into for us over here is, since you could have read the label, which says on it, it says on it, glad kosher meat and cheese are our finest ingredients in this, uh, in, this, uh, in this dog food. And you didn't bother to go ahead and read the, uh, the, the label ahead of time. So the Sma would say that you cannot claim Mekachtos in such a case. So is there any difference between a case where um, you picked up the brand that you wanted to pick up and didn't, didn't read the label or a case where you really intended to grab one brand and by mistake your hand grabbed another one? Uh, is there any difference between those two cases? So I don't think so, because like the SMA over here, in both those cases, if you had just read the label, you would realize what was going on. Well, I, I, I know that Al, Alpo doesn't have Basar Bechalov, so I think I'm picking Alpo off the shelf. And, and I don't have to read it because I know that that brand is OK, but but I happen to pick Iams off the shelf instead of Alpo. I, you, 
Yeah, but they, but you you could have looked at the label to see that it was Iams rather than Alpo. Yeah, you didn't bother okay. to do that either. Rabbi Schaffel, um, you've been talking about this uh, with the ingredients of uh, uh, glot kosher and and chalav uh, Yisrael, but but in fact, dog food doesn't usually come with such certifications. If you only found out later on that it was just regular meat, but of an unspecified origin and milk of an unspecified origin, uh, do you just assume that because Vasa Vachalav is a, you know, is Bakal Vashishim, or do you say it's in this case because it's a, a you have the additional issue of uh, perhaps Hana on top of it, that it's Masha who, I mean, practically well, we, speaking. We learned earlier that even in the daylight is his One second, one second. Yeah, finish, Bob. Did you finish? So I'm question? just asking, so what, the, you've been talking about it this way. How does this apply if it's just, you, you, it's just meat and milk, that's all. Yeah, right. So, so I, I, I'm using the example of the most extreme case is Asr as it could possibly be in order to uh, demonstrate the Chiddush, which we're about to read, that it's that we're going to be able to be Mako, even in the worst case scenario. When it's not the worst case scenario, there's more of a reason to be Mako. As we said, that it may be that at least according to the Dagam Revava, it may even be permitted for benefit. Uh, if it's Nevela meat, which is in all likelihood what the, uh, the dog food is going to contain excuse me, is going to be nevela meat rather than kasher meat, but the chiddush, which we're about to say, is going to be, is going to hold true even in the worst case scenario. So what is that, what is that rationale? So he says, let's just finish off his question. So he says, Im came didan, in our case, Im if you bought something from a store, you bought the, uh, some dog food from the store, and you could have checked the label to see the ingredients or to see the brand, and you didn't bother to do so. You were in a rush. So you just grabbed it off of the shelf and didn't even pay attention. So seemingly you can't claim that this sale was done under false pretenses. And that would lead us to the conclusion, you're not going to be able to go ahead and return it to the store because that's going to violate the answer which we mentioned above about the prohibition of selling something which is asubahana for a profit, to be able to make money off of it, because that's going to be hana. But he says, now here comes the big chiddish, Shamati Mimore Chami. The author of this sefer, which we're reading from, he's the son-in-law of Rav Shomo Miller. Shomo Miller is one of the big postmen from Toronto. He's Rosh Kol in Toronto. Uh, so he says, I heard, He says that when stores have a return policy that allow you to go ahead and return something which you purchased, a month later, two months later, whatever the duration of time is, it's irrelevant. So he says, when you go ahead and return something, what happens? That's the main line. That's the take-home line. He says, when you return something to the store, you're not selling them. You're not selling back to them the item which you purchased. What you're doing is you're canceling the original sale. What's the difference whether you're canceling the original sale or whether you're selling it to them? So he says... It's a contract. Uh, what? It's a contract. Uh, it's a contract, right. But he says, uh, skipping to the next paragraph, 
even with Tochazman Shemuchanim Lekablo. So he says, you're allowed to go ahead and return an Isser Hana product to the store where you purchased it. <laughs> what you're doing is, sorry, what you're doing is you are just canceling the original sale, and what that's going to translate into is, the money that they refund you is not money that they're paying you for the Yisr They're not paying you for the Basa Bechal, they're not paying you for the dog food. But rather, what that is, is that is your money. When they have a return policy, what that means is that during the time that you have the right to return it, the money that you gave them is a loan. They have a loan, which is your money, and you have the right to decide whether to proceed with the purchase or not to proceed with the purchase. And if you decide not to proceed with the purchase, they are going to refund that money to you, and they're giving you back what turns out to be your money all along. So the Yisra Daraisa is selling uh, uh, an Yisra is selling something which is prohibitive for benefit, where I own that thing, and the money which the non-Jew is going to give me is his own money. But in the case where the store has a return policy, which allows me to cancel the original sale, so cancellation of the original sale doesn't mean that they're paying me for an Israhana item. What they're doing is they're returning to me my money, and I'm giving them back their Israhana. And you never owned it in the first place. What? Right? Uh-huh. And it's like you never owned it in the first place. It's like you never owned it in the first place. It was never your Sarhana. It was really theirs all along. And therefore, it says of Shomamilu, this is not something which is going to violate the Isser of getting Hana from the uh, from the prohibited food. And he holds that that would be uh, that that would be uh, acceptable. So, so presumably, pr- presumably, the same thing would be apply if you bought chametz by mistake on Pesach. If they have a return policy, yeah, similarly the same thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. They're they're actually strengthening. Our argument, we're saying that there's no hanab, you're returning it because I, I'm not satisfied with it. So because of their policy, they're, they're saying, I'm, I'm not satisfied. As long as they have, right. as long as you don't have to lie or anything about like that. So, but Bob, that's why I went ahead and I was talking about the glock kosher meat and the chal yisrael cheese, because even in that worst case scenario, it's still going to be okay because you're not selling it to them. You're returning it to them and you're, you're just getting a refund back of your money. He mentions the footnote, and with this we'll conclude, that with an interesting chap as far as this, he says, that's why when you return it to them, there's no sales tax. If you were selling it back to the store, so then somebody should be paying sales tax on that second sale. But being that when you return it to the store, you're not actually selling it back to them. You're returning it to them. That's why they give you back your money and your original sales tax, because it turns out that there was never a sale and the, uh, the, the, uh, the tax code would seem to support this, uh, this contention that it's not, a, it's not a sellback, but it's rather a return, a cancellation of the original sale. Sure, it would also, because if you paid with a coupon, then they would also reduce it by the coupon. It would what? If you had paid with the coupon, they wouldn't pay you back the whole dollar. They'd give you back the, the dollar less, whatever you paid with the coupon. 80 oh, cents. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, they're not you. Yeah. If it if it's if it turns out it's Nevela, I mean, when you.